Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Ready to go? Let's go. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Yo, I like your boy. This is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And as we draw the curtain on 2022's edition of the Michelle Mission, mm-hmm. we will end the season with appropriately enough a retelling of the nativity story with Cassie Lemon's 2013 adaptation of the Langston Hughes play Black Nativity starring Forrest Whitaker, Angela Bassett, Jennifer Hudson, Jacob Lattimore and Tyrese Gibson. Yes. But before we get to all of that, how are you Lynn? How are things? Things are going well, Vincent. Outside of a couple of technical issues with the camera, but we're going to. Hey things are going man, great. Sometimes you got to build the plane while it's in the air. I hope not. Hey, look. I, I hope I hope no one ever has to be building the plane while it is in the air. Remember those various parts during the original Star Wars trilogy where <laughs> Han Solo would be running through the ship with like some duct tape and a laser gun. That's us. <laughs> I don't remember him yeah, having duct yeah. tape. But duct tape and the laser gun. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Right. Um, but things are going good. Shout out to everyone out there watching us as we are streaming live to YouTube as well as Facebook um, by way of our good friends at StreamYard. Hello to all the missionaries out there in the chat. We have um, saying hello, Sharon Eldridge. Hey, what's up, Sharon? Who? left us a voicemail. Very nice. In regards to our review of Almost Christmas. Ah, yes. Okay. Hi, Vincent Lynn. It's Sharon Eldridge. Um, I'm calling regarding last night's, well, I guess today's episode, last night's live stream. Um, I'm very curious. When Len saw Almost Christmas, what had Len been doing just prior to because the irritated passion with which he spoke about this movie made me wonder if something was up. I don't know. Normally, things get under my skin, too, but I thought the Danny Glover stuff especially was very charming. I bought into it. It, I was sold on it. The siblings, like Gabrielle Union, who's great, her character was uh, very hard to watch. And I think I saw that movie and this Christmas very close together. So all the siblings, adult siblings, really all are swimming together for me. But Danny Glover, that part stood out and him making that pie. That was very sweet. Um, it didn't, it didn't catch me off guard or like bug me that the recipe was in a really obvious place. It just didn't even occur to me. So I wonder if Len was in some kind of state of irritation or had a bad day. So yeah, what was, what was Len up to just prior to seeing almost Christmas. Also, there was some kind of defense of this Christmas I heard. I think they're they're on par. I think they're kind of the same movie. I agree, except for the abomination that is Chris Brown's cover of the song This Christmas that was horrifying and made me hate that movie. I'll never watch it again. Okay, love you guys. Bye. So, Lynn, were you at the DMV before we started, <laughs> we started our episode? The DMV, maybe. <laughs> Getting some dental work done. Were you at the dentist maybe earlier that day? 
Um, no, actually, I I wasn't. I don't really remember what had happened before almost Christmas. Um, I I didn't think I was that irritated. Going going to New York and got stuck in traffic trying to get through the Lincoln Tunnel. I didn't think I was that irritated when I when I saw that. Just your general disposition was. I don't think I was irritated during the show. I was. I thought I was. That's just who you are. I had a rather ordinary day. I just don't really like things. (laughs) I love the fact that Sharon tried to give you. I know she did. God bless her. Opening and out. Can I tell you something funny? My father-in-law, since I've met him Mm -hmm. for over two decades, every time we talk, he's a sports fanatic. Okay. And he'll ask me something about sports. Mm -hmm. And every time I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't really you don't follow know sports. I don't really like sports. And then the very next time we see each other, he asked me about sports again. But you know what it is? He loves me so much and he respects me so much as a man that certainly I must like sports. Right. Because I'm a man. But yeah, there's no way that I could be the a man that right. he likes and right. loves. Right. And, and not you don't like, like sports. sports. So every time he and, and it's the same thing over and Sharon likes and respects you so much <laughs> that she just assumed <laughs> that something had happened. Something must be wrong. Something with must be wrong. This is so unlin. <laughs> this is not like Lynn. It's a lot of passion about soul food Christmas. <laughs> Something must have happened. I'm going to call them and see it. Make sure Lynn's make okay. Sure, make sure Lynn's okay. That was a wellness check. It was. That was it a wellness was. check. That's exactly what it right, was. Right, And I appreciate that, right. Sharon. You good? Thank you. You Thank good? You. I'm good. See, I would have just called and said, like, every now and then something will happen. And I'll just text Lynn and say, you good? That's all he does. <laughs> That's my wellness check. I'll just say, hey, hey. You good? Because <laughs> we do have to look out for each other. We do. So, we do. and I appreciate that, Sharon. Yes, I'm fine. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what came over. Me. I don't know what came. That's all I can say. It's it's all a blur. It's all a blur. I don't even remember it yeah. anymore. I agree with her about Chris Brown covering this Christmas. Ah. A surprising amount of fans, though, of that version. Well, you know why? Because let's be honest, this Christmas and even like because it's been remade a few times. What's probably is the most up to Chris Brown, the most famous remake of it is probably what? Um, Alexander O'Neill, didn't he do a version? No, of I know the Whispers have a version. There's a particularly hot and sweaty and 80s version that the Temptations did that I have fondness for. I've never but heard I don't that. really push it. <laughs> Please don't, because I've never heard Oh, it's oh, 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 you you you, you can hear Dennis Edwards Jerry Curl <laughs> on the track. I never heard it. Yeah. But but the the thing is, is that even the most popular remake of that of that song. Sure. Right? By the time Chris Brown gets hold of it, it's probably already 20 years old. Sure. So in in who knows, in his mind, he's just remaking 
you know, half-baked whatever. Right. You know what I mean? How, uh, you know, the, of a song that, you know, his mom or God knows maybe right, right, his grandmother yeah, true. Were, were fond of. Right. You know, and, he, and he's putting his spin on it. And kids, that's what they that's what they love. That's what they love. Because there's a, a, a bit of heresy in Black Nativity, the film that we're going to be reviewing tonight mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, so... You, uh, um, in in those same along those same lines, yeah. So there you go, there you go. All right, all right. So anyway, all right. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you very much, Sharon. We really appreciate that. Uh, you and your voicemail and your wellness check. Yes. Onward and upward. Onward with and the upward. Show. Your brother uh, Damon says that Chris Brown's butchering of <clears throat> this Christmas has a bizarre following. The only remake of that song that's acceptable is the Whispers version. <laughs> the Whispers is pretty sweaty too. See, see, I'm not a see, I'm not a, a Whispers. The Whispers in general, yes, are pretty sweaty. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of the Whispers because they're twins. Well, what? Well, that's not because I'm a twin, so I'm not going to knock that. And they're not that tall. And you're a twin, but y'all are fraternal twins. Whoa, whoa, whoa. See, I don't like that. Fraternal twins aren't freaky like identical twins. Okay, I'll give you that. You know. I'll give you that. And the Whispers, Walter and Scotty, are twin twins. And then they They got the mustaches. The big, the big Durville mustache. Right, right. Yeah. So. I wonder if they're Durville's kids. Look, man. I mean, I, I think they're probably all around the same age. What I thought you were going to say is I wonder if he ever hung out with the Whispers. They may have hung out. I don't know. I think Durville is probably older than the Whispers, than than than, than the, <laughs> the twins. Durville was a man in the 70s. You know what? This is this, this seems to be this is something that I think is worthy this is of some... actual research. <laughs> is Durville Martin and and Walter and Scotty from the Whispers about the same age. All right, so Durville Martin was born in 1939, right? And I bet See, the, I Walter. Bet, wait a minute. I bet they were born in the Scotty. 50s. Oh, when you search it, actually says Walter and Scotty of the Whispers comes up as a search. <laughs> I don't think they probably, they may not even have like a link for themselves, do they? Oh, they don't. What well, they were from 19. 19- 63. How come they don't say how old? The group they formed in 1963? Yeah, I knew that. How old? I didn't think they formed that old. Are. How when do you think they would have formed? I, for some Walter. reason, like I thought they were like maybe and late 60s, 70s when they started singing. And Scotty of the Whispers. Let's see. Oh, they were born 1943, so they're four years younger than Dorver Martin. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't think so. I yeah. thought they were younger than that. Oh no, the mustaches told me they were all contemporaries. Well, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Okay. All right. So now we all know. And this is why you have to get up every morning because I, I suspect no one thought when they woke up this morning that by the time they went to bed later, they would know that Walter and Scotty of the Whispers are four years younger than Dervo Martin. You're right. And Robin Browning said, Stop talking about fraternal twins, Vincent. She's a fraternal twin. I'm not. And we can about and them. we can finish each other's sentences, which oh, is true. Yes, me and my sister can finish each other's sentences too. I love fraternal twins. I'm just saying nobody's making horror movies about y'all. It sounded like you were talking a little bit out of the side of your mouth. When people do horror movie stuff, it's with identical twins. That's all. I love fraternal twins. 
They should think about doing it's two kids for the price of one. They should think about doing horror movies with us. Paternal twins are, are we're 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 nastier. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> we also got just like a little uh hit up on on um Facebook Messenger from Robert Monroe Jr. Hey Robert. In regards to the movie The Apartment. Oh, okay. Which is streaming now on uh, Turner Classic Movies. It's nice. Up there. And, uh, he says that when I were, and it was airing uh, in his area recently. Okay. So he mentions that when I worked in the New York City video store, two young women in their 20s came in and asked for a suggestion. I asked a few questions to find out what they were interested in. And then I suggested the apartment. Okay. They came back in about 30 minutes to return the movie because oh. it was in black and white. <laughs> I even offered to pay for the movie if they'd watch it and they turned down my offer. This is the reason why I make sure that my twins, Robert Monroe with twins, watch black and white movies from an early age. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. You run into people like that periodically, though. Yeah. Like, I don't watch black and white movies. Can't get down with them. I made it a... It wasn't necessarily making it a habit because they were black and white. Mm -hmm. Just trying to introduce Olivia to good cinema. Sure. Um, Have her watch movies, um, regardless of whether or not they were in color or not. And I don't think she watches as many old movies anymore, but she has an appreciation for them. Sure. The one, surprisingly, that she has the most appreciation for is Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> well, that's high drama. I know. But Without it's also campy. I, I meant, that's actually what I meant. Yeah. 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 So, so, and she kind of like, she she loves that movie. Yeah. And it's not, and when she watched it, it's not so much it scared her. She was just like, ugh, it's like, it's just, they're both evil. <laughs> I was about to say, it's grotesque. Yeah, somebody just kill them both. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But um, yeah, you got to introduce your kids to like, to the good stuff. Yeah. You have to. You have to. All right. All right. All right. Dame, Miss Makiba. Hey, Miss Makiba. In the chat, in regards to the Whispers version. <laughs> Um, of this Christmas. She says that I just heard the Layla and Donnie version over the weekend. That is oddly satisfying. I think that's the version where they kind of like sing yeah, over yeah. Layla Hathaway, it Donnie Hathaway's daughter. That King Cole, Natalie Cole. It, it, ish. Yeah. Right. So that it, she sings over mm-hmm. his version. I think I've heard that before. Oh, I refuse to listen to it. It's certainly been a minute since I've heard it. Is it not well, I, no, no, literally, I've never heard it. Oh, okay. And so I don't plan on ever listening to it. Because, why? Because there's no way I'm going to like it as much as Donny Hathaway, but that's her father. Mm-hmm. So she should absolutely be able to do it. Yeah. So I've just recused myself. I do. I mean, the like entire situation. Speaking of, it's kind of like the Natalie Cole, like, like I hate the Natalie Cole, Nat King Cole stuff. Do, remember that period where she was just doing all. The, the duets with her father's voice. I only heard the unforgettable. I didn't know that she did. She had at least an, one album of them. Oh, well, that's not cool. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's her daddy. No, she could do it. She but could I, do I, it. I could see not wanting to. Right. And to I hope dad. she made all the money in the world off of it. And I hope Layla Hathaway makes a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to listen to it, though. But I'm glad Miss McKeever liked it. She found it oddly satisfying. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Um, 
<laughs> your brother coming with all the facts. Everybody's coming with the facts at the end of the year, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, according to Unsung, okay, the Whispers had a major pimp following in the 70s. Yes. So, of course, they were around Dolomite and his crew. So maybe. Yes. It, they, they do. Have you ever heard that story? No. About the, the Whispers and pimps? No. They had a huge pimp following. This is all so the, true. The pimps liked the, the pimps loved, loved the, whispers. the whispers. So when the whispers came out with the song Olivia, mm-hmm. which as we all know is about the scourge of prostitution, mm-hmm. the pimps were mad at them. They were like, "Yo, watch all that commentary." So what they said? Did they say they're going to take out a hit on? No, 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 no. You know, I think pimps are lovers, not fighters. But they they did feel like it was bad form. Mm. Like we, you have this pimp foundation of your fan base, and you make this song Olivia, which is about the scourge of prostitution. Mm-hmm. We found that to be bad form. Oh, oh wow! Well. I think the pimps may have sent them a form letter. Yes, yes. Yeah. Got got a uh, got a hold of their their shopkeeper. Right, 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 right. Union. Take a letter. <laughs> Dear Walter and or Scotty, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Why are you talking about my hoes? Stop. <laughs> I actually do need a new Seville. Stop. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway. Top five. Who's your top five? Top five, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent a top five list of my creation, and then he has his commentary about it. Vincent, are you ready for tonight's top five? I am ready. I've been trying to make these themed around Christmas and the holiday season. Okay. Right. And let's face it, when a lot of us, young and old, think of Christmas and the holiday season, not only we think about getting, gathering together with our families and friends and the, the trees and the toys and the stuff, stocking stuff. And then depending on your spiritual bent, you may think of other things as well. Mm-hmm. But I think we all unified think in of the Christmas specials of the time. Okay. You know, the, especially the animated specials, of, mm-hmm. especially of, of our youth. And none are more cherished than the animated specials of Rankin Bass. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who made a treasure trove of Christmas specials over the years. Mm-hmm. So it w- it is with sincere fondness that tonight's top five, we take a look at the not <laughs> top five <laughs> Rankin and Bass Christmas specials. I'm going to disagree with at least one of these. Uh, really? I I, I I can feel it. Okay. All right. Let's, we're going from number five to number one. Okay. The unranking Basson. Yes. Christmas specials. Number five is The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus from 1985. Okay. You're probably not even aware of this. I am aware of this. It's, it's sort of a low-budget version of um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. A bit of it. Yeah. In, in this... In this uh, not low budget, but 
like just not as good. Not as well, yeah. yeah. And this um stop motion, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. same stop motion animation. Uh, in this one, Santa Claus, like there is like this this council of deities mm-hmm. that are basically have to um, pass judgment on whether or not Santa Claus should be deemed an immortal, right? So that he can continue on forever on giving gifts to the kids, kids and boys, oh, boys and girls, um, and in doing so. The, the special kind of like flashes back to a whole new origin of mm-hmm. of Santa Santa Claus um, that is wholly different from the more you know recognized Rankin Bass Santa Claus from like the sixties and seventies, mm-hmm. which was the I think that was the Santa Claus is coming. Santa to town. Claus is coming to town. Yeah, the right. definitive origin of Santa Claus to me. Oh, absolutely. That's my origin. Oh, yeah. Like I don't care what anybody else is. That's oh, my yeah. origin. But this one, it's it's just it. One, it's just unnecessary. Yes. Um, and two, like it starts to get on a theme of a lot of their their specials in that it's dealing with death because it's mm-hmm. all about like, well, do we let Santa Claus die right or not? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I like, I don't, I don't need y'all to go there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's way more existential than I want it to be. I'm sitting there eating uh, Christmas cookies. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's number five. Okay. I um, agree. All right. But it's number five because it's not the worst. Okay. It's just a meh. Okay. Number four. Number four. Is the little drummer boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From 1968. Yeah, yeah. Which is is 1968. It's it's in the, it's like, like right in their wheelhouse. This is where they're kind of like perfecting their things. The little drummer boy. And this is for some people, this is the, their definitive little drummer boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And a few of them. But this one is just sad. Yes. It's so somber. Yeah. It's not funny mm-hmm. at all. There's nothing cute about it. Um, there's not a whole lot of like uh anthropomorphic animals running around because it's just this drummer boy for the most part. <laughs> yes. And he's just poor, just poor starving, starving <laughs> drummer boy. I mean, yeah. like, God, he he make it like yeah, jeez. He makes Oliver look full. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. It's it's just so it's just so depressing. It is. It's just real depressing. The songs are a dirge. It's like, oh my god. Can can I say something might be controversial? What? I don't want to step on the three that are coming. I don't like any of the religious Christmas specials. Me neither. Christmas cartoons. Me neither. I, I don't like them. No, no, I don't like them. Me neither. Number three. Okay. Pin- Pinocchio's Christmas. <laughs> This is Rankin Bass. This is Rankin Bass. Is this stop motion? Yes, it's stop motion. Oh, I've never heard of this. Pinocchio's Christmas <laughs> deals with Pinocchio having to find a gift for Geppetto. Okay. <laughs> and supposedly hila- hilarity ensues. What year is this? 1980. Really? Yes. Yes. It's not good. It's not funny at all. 
it's not i i see it's just not it's not good it's not a good movie at all okay <laughs> i'm with you so far and jiminy cricket looks like a roach it's not i do remember it's this. not good he, and he did look like a roach. It looks like a little roach, man. Yeah. It's not like, oh, no. Yeah. No. That is yeah. That's a fail. Okay. Number two. Number two. Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey. I hate it. From 1976. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Oh, this is, is another religious one. I know. Because this is the one I was thinking about actually. This is Nestor with his long ears, uh, but oh, him on, showing man. up at the manger of Mary and Joseph. I actually think his ears become like Mary's blanket. Yes, I was about to say they wrap it. <laughs> and it puts you in such a terrible position as a kid. Cause it's like you're sitting there like, I hate something about Jesus. Like this is about Jesus, and I hate it. Right. Am I a bad person? Yeah, I'm not supposed to be. You're not a bad person. It's just a terrible special. It's not. Yeah, just a fail. Oh, just a just a swing and a miss. However, the number one unranking bass, number one Christmas special to me, worse than Nestor, the long-eared donk donkey. Yes. Okay. Is the Leprechaun's <laughs> Christmas Gold from 1981? <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> Reading from IMDb, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Was this? motion wasn't it yes, it's, well, yes it was <laughs> leprechauns kicking a jig I thought this was a fever dream in one of the more unsung ranking bass <laughs> christmas specials an irish sailor <laughs> is stranded on an island full of leprechauns oh, oh. and soon finds himself aiding them in protecting their gold from a greedy hag <laughs> <laughs> in the oh. leprechaun's Christmas gold I don't disagree with you but I kind of like how amazingly bizarre this is <laughs> no I don't this <laughs> I think I watched that one time. I was like, what? The- I am going to watch this on YouTube later. I forgot all about this. And <laughs> I remember it watching it. Don't do it to this is the most bizarre. I will take this over Nestor, the long-eared donkey. Okay. And the little drummer boy. Okay. See, but the reason why I can't put it over them is the exact same reason you said. They're about Jesus. <laughs> They're about Jesus. They're about I can't, it's like I can't, you finally get to the point where it's like Christmas break. Because remember, at this point, is it's it's like they're like these are the deep cuts. Mm-hmm. So like you're you know you're maybe a day or two out from Christmas, right? Because I seem to remember they would front load the A list joints. Like at this point, you've seen the Grinch, 
You've seen Rudolph. You've seen Frosty. Mm-hmm. You've seen Santa's coming to town. You've seen A Year Without a Santa. Mm-hmm. Like you've, you've seen, seen Charlie Brown, Christmas. Charlie Brown, Mr. Magoo. Like you've seen all the big ones. So now you are deep into the sea. Like it's the 22nd or 23rd. My house, I I guarantee you I'm I'm having a fever dream from the sugar. <laughs> Between the cookies and the eggnog, and I'm on the sofa and I'm into it. They put this depressing shit on. It's like, come on, man. I know. I know. Come on. I know. It makes me think. Never forget the real reason for the season, <laughs> children. Come on, man. Can I just watch some specials? So yeah, I'll take the leprechaun over those two. I I can't I can't put the leprechauns over Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's lots of pull quotes from this episode. <laughs> it's true. It's true. What do you think, real quick? What do you think was like the last? animated special that hit you that was new because in my mind even though I probably was a, probably about a teenager when it came out uh-huh. I remember it probably was the California Raisins Christmas. <laughs> that's, that's your choice well because I remember seeing that because I, I remember seeing that at a time when I was still kind of in the animation, but I was old enough that I had a real appreciation for good animation. Right, right. And say what you want about the California Raisins, it was stop motion animation. No, no, no. You're not the first person I've heard. Yeah, call that and out. It was, and it was, it was yeah. actually very beautiful for yeah. uh, uh, at the time. Yeah, and, and it was timely, and they were singing like you know, it was sure. freaking like almost like Temptations, like sure. singing. You know, sure. so I remember kind of like liking that. I am an Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas guy. You've mentioned that. One I have. Before, I like I remember yeah. that coming out, and and we were a. I mean, what year was it? I think it's eighty something. Yeah, like like what year's Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? Emmett Otter, are you asking Siri <laughs> or whatever your thing is? Emmett Otter, nineteen seventy seven. So it actually, isn't as late as I thought it was. Yeah, but that's the latest one. Like I remember seeing that as a new Christmas special mm. and thinking, this is really good. So Emmett, probably Emmett Otter. And the California Raisin uh, Christmas special is 1987. Yeah. Oh, so 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I, was a, I, was a, I was a young 20. I was about to say you were sitting in your apartment. <laughs> you had ordered like some Chinese food in a 40 and you were sitting and watching it. I was a young 20. <laughs> Joined, I guess. Uh, anyway, let's keep moving. Keep it moving. <laughs> keep it. Well, that's a good list, and I don't disagree with any of them. Maybe I disagree with the order, but as you say, your retort is Jesus. <laughs> exactly. That's the key.
Six Degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Vincent will attempt to get to two actors of my choice and connect them in six movies or less to Durville Martin. Yes. That Santa pimp we all know and love. (laughs) We've been spending the month of December giving you uh, actors who have played Santa Claus or Mrs. Claus. Yes. I'm going to give you an actress who played Mrs. Claus in the movie titled Mrs. Claus. There was a film called Mrs. Claus. Called Mrs. Claus. Interesting. So in six films or less, Vincent. Okay. Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. To. To. The late Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. We just lost this. Who we just lost. Angela. What was Angela Lansbury? Wait. That's not her in The King and I, is it? No. No. Angela Lansbury. Again, now we're talking about people that I only know from TV. Wasn't Angela Lansbury in one of those big musicals? She may have been in well, she was in a big she was in a big musical that I'm certain you've seen that fairly recent. Oh, oh, wait. I know she was in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Problem is that's the musical I was thinking about. She wasn't in the live action one though. I don't think. Yeah. So. The problem is, I don't know who else. And even if she was, she was, would have been probably just her voice. Um, was in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, you don't remember the guy who plays the that's the Beast? Who plays the Beast? Whose voice is that as the Beast? Why don't I think? Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of the TV show. Right, right. I'm thinking of the TV show. Why do I see Angela Lansbury in an old-timey dress? As a young woman mm-hmm. in a musical. Oh, in a musical? Because huh. I definitely know her in an old-timey dress in a movie or two. What's the old movie she would have been in that I'm looking at her in? In an old-timey dress? Yeah, like young Angela Lansbury, because I really don't know her. In, in my mind, I'm thinking of a film from 1944. So I don't know if that's the film. You're Is it a film that someone would have seen who's not watching Turner Classic movies all the time? It's it's actually a, a very historic film. It's, it, it is a film that uh, coined a ter- is, whose title has coined a term that what, people talk about what all is the time. It? Gaslight. Yes, I'm not thinking it's not Gaslight. Yeah, I didn't think it was Gaslight. She's not in a bigger movie than that. She is. What's the bigger movie? Probably the movie that you would know is The Manchurian Candidate, the original. I can't remember anybody in The Manchurian Candidate. Really? I mean, there's one huge name in The Manchurian Candidate, Vince. Who is in The Manchurian Candidate? I know this is sacrilege, but I actually always think about the remake. Oh, wow. You know, I've never seen the remake. It's really good. See, if you see the first one, yeah. you would, you would. Yeah, not. who's the star of that? That I'm, Who's the big guy in that? Frank Sinatra. 
Okay, well, yeah. You know, I gotta just use Frank then. What if I can use Frank? Tell you what, I'll use Frank, but I'll use Frank interesting. I'll use Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. without using Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. And this is how I'll do that. Derville Martin is in Derville Martin is in Five on the Black Hand Side mm-hmm. with Dick Anthony Williams who's in Mo Better Blues with Denzel Washington mm-hmm. who's in <clears throat> Mm. That's too long. It's too long. Yeah, it's too long. I have to use... I was trying not to use any Rat Pack people. But I can't get to Frank Sinatra quickly enough without using them. I don't think... That's the only problem. So unfortunately, I do have to go short. So Derville Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Who's in Porgy and Bess mm-hmm. with Sammy Davis Jr. Who, yes, is in, you know, let's just say Robin in the Seven Hoods. With Frank Sinatra, who's in the Manchurian Candidate, with Angela Lansbury. With Angela Lansbury. Very good, Vincent. I was trying to get to Marlon Brando quickly. <clears throat> and then Marlon Brando was in Robin in the Seven Hoods. No, Marlon Brando is in Guys and Dolls. With Frank Sinatra. With Frank Sinatra. Yeah. But I couldn't get to Marlon Brando quickly. From Durbo Martin. I was trying to maybe do Vivian Lee in Streetcar Named Desire. Or then I was just trying to be cute and go to Superman. Mm. But I couldn't get to him. The, another movie. I thought I knew there was another Disney movie that she was in. This might have been the movie that you were thinking about. What? Because it's a musical. Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. <clears throat> is Dick Van Dyke in that? No. This is just, I it's think just that, her? It's just her. That's her big thing. She's in bed, not in broomsticks. Uh, of course, in the Manchurian Candidate, Beauty and the Beast, you had mentioned. Um, she's also a voice in the animated Anastasia. Okay. Um, she is in Mrs. Santa Claus, which is which what is which is right. right. Brought her to here. Who's in, who's in who's who's, who's in, in Mrs. Santa Claus? Yeah, it's a small movie. Okay. Right. Um, and another movie that a big movie that she was. In was um, well, you you may not know this movie, The Long Hot Summer from 1958 with Paul Newman. 
That was actually a very good movie. And Gaslight. Gaslight, Gaslight yeah. even though from 1944, is a, a you know, a heralded f- film mm-hmm. um, with Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman. Oh, okay. That's a nice cast. And she's in the, the picture of Dorian Gray. Oh. The, the original. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, there you go, Vincent. There you go. Well done. All right. That was your Mrs. Claus. Okay. Now it's time for Santa Claus. Who's old St. Nick? Uh, Santa Claus in six movies or less, Vincent, to get from Dervell Martin to, to Ed Asner. Ed Asner. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He's another one. You You are killing me. With the TV people, but these are people that played. Yes, 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 yes. And both of them played. To be fair, they played Santa or Mrs. Claus in movies. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. but they make their bones on television. Mm, yeah. Ed Asner's another one. What was he in? Well, he was in a movie. Yes, Santa yes, Claus. about Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> What's the last movie Ed Asner made? Uh, let's see here, Vincent. Speaking of Superman, it's like Ned Baby plays Ed Asner. Plays Perry White as Ed Asner. Hmm. The last movie that, okay. The last movie that he made... He, uh, wow, he is a voice in the animated Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules, um, which was a posthumous release. Yeah, last movie that he did that he's you know was around to see was Faith, Hope, and Love, which was a 2019 uh romantic comedy. Yeah, I don't know what Ed Asner is in. It's his big movie role before he goes on TV in the 70s and then he's like, I'm done. Well, to be honest, his, <clears throat> as, as huge of a star as he is, his probably his biggest movie role wasn't until 2009. Is it animated? Mm-hmm. What is Ed Asner in animated? And this is not the movie that he plays Santa Claus in. What? Who is he the voice of? He is the lead in? voice. Up. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he is. In, who's the other old dude in Up? Ah. <laughs> Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. <laughs> um, so that gives you some connective tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because, um... Oh my goodness gracious! Now you got to think of Christopher Plummer movies. No, no, right, right, because you know I go right to um, the Hammer films. 
No, the the funny thing is, is I, I'm going to um, the sound of music. Mm. Which, of course, has uh, how did I just forget her name? Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews, who's in the sound of music. And Julie Andrews. Right, so Ed Asner's in Up with Christopher Plummer. <clears throat> He's in The Sound of Music with Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. Julie Andrews is in Mary Poppins with Dick Van Dyke. And Dick Van Dyke Hmm Getting over to Durville right. I can get you there Dick Van Dyke Is In Bye Bye Birdie With Anne Margaret Who's in Grumpy Old Men with Dude Whose Name I Always Forget? <laughs> Why can I not remember his name? <laughs> Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon. Who's <laughs> in Some Like It Hot with Tony Curtis? Who's in the Defiant Ones with um, Sidney Poitier? Who's in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Daryl? But I think I, 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 I think, think I've I run out like twelve now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, but we're trying to get to Ed, to Ed Asner and Christopher Plummer. What else is he in besides Up? Like Ed Asner, what is Ed Asner's deal? Well, the movie because he's he, just on TV all the time. The movie that he plays Santa Claus, uh huh, was Elf. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I've never actually seen Elf. Really? I know that's a good movie. That's a fun movie. I've never actually seen Elf. That's kind of fun. Look, that's kind of fun. Bob Newhart's in it. It's kind of fun. Well, certainly he is in there with Will, with Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. And Will Ferrell is, of course, an anchorman, too. Mm. Hmm. With um, Megan Good. Mm-hmm. And Megan Good is in Eve's Bayou with Samuel Jackson, mm-hmm. who's in Mo Better Blues. No. Who's in Boomerang with Eddie Murphy? No. Who's in Boomerang? No. <laughs> right, 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 right. He's in Guess Who's. He, he, he's in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is in um, Boomerang with Leonard Jackson. Mm. Who's in Five on the Black Hand Side? With Derville Martin. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well done, Vincent. You got there. That may have been too many, too. 
May have been. Derville Martin is in Five on a Black Hand Side with Dick Anthony Williams, who's in um who's in um Mo Better Blues with Denzel Washington, who's in Philadelphia with Tom Hanks, who's in the Green Mile with Michael Clark Duncan. Okay. Who's in Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell. Oh, okay. Who's an elf with, with Ed Astor. With Ed Astor. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Now, that's definitely sick. That's definitely sick. Okay. Okay. All right. Well done, Vincent. I mean, you know. <laughs> Ed Asner. <laughs> what is this big movie? I I just I mean besides him, up. What do you mean besides up? He's the lead in the movie. It's a yes. movie that everybody t- talks but about. The man has had a career for thirty-seven million years. Okay, well, yes, primarily it was yeah, television. so television. But yes. he did do a full like like he did a few movies, but he for a lot of his movies he plays like the heavy. He's not like a you know right. in his younger days he's not a star right. You know he's just a name. You know a reliable face. So um, is Mary Tyler Moore his break? Mary Tyler Moore is really the movie that, that the the move that breaks him out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and think of how old he was already. Yeah, then. that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Never give up on your dreams. Because then from Mary Tyler Moore, then he gets the spinoff. Yeah. Of yeah. Lou Grant. Which yeah. Gives him even more prominence. Yes. And then his career. And then after that, he kind of becomes like a political figure in Hollywood. I know. In Hollywood. So while he still has a career, he's also important because of, the you know, fighting on the other side. So there you go. All right. All right. Well done, Vince. All right. All right. It's time for us to get into our review of Black Nativity. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. You're going to spend the holidays with your grandparents. even know them. I'm just thinking about what's best for you. This ain't living. I got a mouth to feed, but I can't make these ends meet. I'll see you in church. Tonight, you tripping. As for me and my house, we are going to church. Hmm. You need something? Come on, when are you coming? together. The Reverend's putting on his Christmas show. It would mean a lot to him for you to be there. Today, we are mindful of the needs of this youth. Be he in need of guidance or simply a belt to hold his loose-fitting pants up. Amen. Amen. Until the rainbow the What went down with you guys and my mom? Why don't you talk? The Reverend and I would do anything for you and your mother. But you can bet your lifetimes that in twice is double. That God knew exactly where he wanted you to be placed. It's time to forgive and it's time to come home. 
Black Nativity, a 2013 musical drama, tells the story of Langston, a Baltimore teen raised by a single mother who travels to New York City to spend the Christmas holiday with his estranged grandparents, the Reverend Cornell Cobbs and his wife, Aretha. However, Langston soon finds that the Cobbs have strict rules and the youth is unwilling to follow them. Instead, he sets out on a return journey to his mother and finds the value of faith, healing, and family along the way. Based on the 1961 play by Langston Hughes, Black Nativity stars Forrest Whitaker, Angela Bassett, Jennifer Hudson, Jacob Lattimore, and Tyrese Gibson, with appearances by Mary J. Blige, Nas, and Vondi Curtis Hall. Directed and written for the screen by Cassie Lemons, this was the choice of Lynn Webb as we end our journey into the Christmas season here on the Michelle Mission. Lynn, what say you of Black Nativity? I really wanted to like this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because I have um, high regards for many of the featured faces of this film. Mm -hmm. We've gone on before about our admiration of both Forrest Whitaker and Angela Bassett, especially on the, on this mission before I have um, high regard for Jennifer Hudson uh, as, as a talent. Um, I don't even mind Tyrese, Tyrese Gibson mm-hmm. that much um, for the most part. And when put in a okay role, I like him. and more to the point, we also have a great appreciation for the writing and direction of Cassie Lemons. No doubt. Yet it does not come together well in Black Nativity. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, this is an adaptation of Langston Hughes' um, play from 1961, which basically takes the the story of the birth of Christ and puts it in like an urban, Mm -hmm. like, like setting, you know, uh, uh, with, um, with all of the trappings to match it and the music to match it. Right. Um, And for its time in 1961, this was a powerful piece of work to have up on stage. Um, Certainly counter to the images of the, of Jesus and the birth of Christ of just that story that were, you know, being widely, dis- widely disseminated across the, the screens and just, just across the world. Right. At that time. Um, and it was a very interesting juxtaposition at that time of looking at, you know, from once from from where Jesus comes, because you know historically, Mary and Joseph are not people of uh, of means. Um, they have to. They are. They have to 
give birth to Jesus in a manger because they have nowhere else to go. Sure. They do not have any means by which to get anything else to go. Jesus is born in a manger around animals. He's not born in like, you know, gold cloth or anything like that. And they just, and Langston Hughes's uh, play juxtaposition uh, puts that in the setting of like the, 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 um, an urban de- decaying setting to kind of like match and, and add like commentary for the, the plight of, of black people mm-hmm. at that time, um, which has made, made it all the more a, a powerful, powerful uh, statement. Why that play has resonated with people and is often all across the country around this time, there are different people that are putting on productions of that play. Sure. Right. So it, it stands to reason that at, at this time, like, Oh, somebody's finally going to put it into a film. Like, all right, this is, this will be great. The time they'll kind of like blow it out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and you're putting it in, in, into the hands of an assured director. Yeah. Oh like yeah. Cassie lemons. You yeah. Know? So it's not like, you know, it's some, somebody, some, somebody's first time at, uh, at that. Right. And to be fair, because of that, the film is gorgeous to look at. Yes. It is absolutely 100% a gorgeous movie. Mm-hmm. And there are shots in this film, mm-hmm. direct, directorial compositions that are stellar in the storytelling and 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 very striking. Um, there's a scene I, I think of. There's a scene where the young young Langston, played by Jacob Lattimore, is he's taking a bus into mm-hmm. Harlem. And he's about to to, to um, get off the bus, and he, you see him walking up the aisle as he's about to turn off to get off the bus because he thinks he's going to meet his grandparents. His grandparents are going to be there to meet him, but his grandparents aren't there. And as he, the camera is behind him as he's walking up the aisle, and then as he turns to look out, his face is caught in the little rearview mirror of the of the bus driver mm-hmm. and you can see his look like, Oh, where am I? Cause he's never been out of right uh, out of um, Baltimore. Right. So it's his first time in New York and this bus drops him off, like right in the middle of times square, which made no sense. Hey, Why man. would the bus drop him off in the middle of times square, especially on the, on the, on the street side. But anyway, and you, you see like a little bit of fear. Oh yeah. In his eyes. And that, 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 direction that storytelling was was spot on there there are more moments of that in this film so this film is in, is in a short hands but i think it goes wrong in that cassie lemons who obviously had high regards for this work for this piece of mm-hmm. langston hughes um <clears throat> Is maybe a little bit too reverential. There it is. There it is. To the text. Mm -hmm. That's right. And in doing so, I don't think she crafts 
a good story around it because mm-hmm. she has to build like she the whole idea of of Langston and his mother and and you know going to Harlem and everything like that it's, it's like this framing sequence around around the piece but she doesn't pull it off mm-hmm. it, it it just the the connective tissue is is just not there right yeah um and and in her reverence to the piece she and therefore the script don't get their hands dirty. Right. And everything just feels, it feels very surface level. Mm-hmm. It feels just like you're like, she didn't want to touch it. Yeah. 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you what, what we feel, but I'm not showing you yeah. what I feel, what, what you feel. Uh, the Langston, it, he is a, a boy who we're meant to think is a little wayward. Right. A little <laughs> a little a little lost and not not, not knowing um he, he's unsure of his lineage. He doesn't right, know anything right. about his father. Right. Um he seems to be very close with his mother. Um, yet he still who who's played by Jennifer Hudson, mm-hmm. who we're told has done everything in the world for him, and yet she's about to lose the house. Yeah. Their house in Baltimore. Um, we're not told why we're just showing the eviction notice. No money. It's just no money. No money. Um, so therefore that's why she's sending him off to live with her parents in, in, uh, for Christmas in Harlem, her parents who she's estranged from at the time. We don't know why. Right. We don't know why. We soon learn why, and there's inferences we can kind of like. There's there's little word clues as to why you kind of p- put the pieces yeah. together. Yeah, it's not a great mystery, but it's not a great mystery, yeah. and nor is it really played with any right. real tension. Right. Like the, the the thing about this film is like there's no tension at all. Well, like you said, it, it's almost like Cassie Lemons didn't want to mess with the source material that much mm-hmm. so that it is but go ahead yeah she's yeah. It, it and <clears throat> without without any type of tension the, the, the everything else just becomes it just becomes words it doesn't come it has no meaning the pictures are beautiful yeah but it has absolutely no meaning and therefore you you're not feeling that any of the actors are really um engaged in their performances at all. Forrest Whitaker plays uh, Langston's grandfather, who is a, a the pastor at this at this church. Right. He comes off as just very by the numbers, very rote, very dry. Mm-hmm. Angela Bassett is not given much to do, and what she's given to do, she's not doing well mm-hmm. at all. She is very one note mm-hmm. to me. Um, admittedly against type for Angela Bassett because you're not used to seeing Angela Bassett kind of like play a role. Like this is a role that I usually would have seen like uh, Mary Alice in kind of like right. softer voice. I was about to say, you know, she's very goodness. tenuous. Yeah. And very sort of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, so you're not used to seeing Angela Bassett in, in right. that kind of role. And, and, I got the feeling that she's not even used to it. Well, it doesn't know what to do with it. It's it's this weird energy because it's Angela Bassett. Yeah. 
and 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 you, you know kind of like it, it, it goes to what you said about it's beautiful mm-hmm. and you know god knows cassie lemons captures angela bassett in all her angela well, bassett to be fair she captures she captures <clears throat> blackness in this film beautifully yeah but someone like angela bassett's physicality mm-hmm. there's nothing timid True. or sort of you, you know passive about it right like you can't take your eyes off of her mm-hmm. so you know angela bassett sort of pretending to walk on to tip a toe. yeah and, it just doesn't tip, like just her physicality just doesn't match and i think because of that she therefore does not develop any type of chemistry i feel with anybody in a, in a movie it's but you know most of our scenes are with Langston, Jacob Lattimore, right. or Forrest Whitaker as right. her husband. And she has there's no there's no chemistry between with any of them. No. No. None, none what none whatsoever. And now part of that, I think it maybe works in the scenes with Jacob because they're supposed to be estranged. Right. They so actually her, don't know each other. Right. So so maybe it works there, but when it's her and and her husband, like um Forrest Whitaker, that makes no sense. It it and it's it's just totally absent. Well, I, I get the sense. First of all, I agree with everything you said. Everything that you said, I totally agree with. Uh starting with the good, I think it is shot beautifully. And mm-hmm. and there are shots that make you understand or, or remind you that Cassie Lemons at this point is a master filmmaker. Yes. yes. There's a moment where Langston is arrested and mm-hmm. he's in a holding cell. Mm-hmm. And there's a quick shot where Tyrese is in shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he emerges from the shadow. And Tyrese is a is a dark brown man. And again, Cassie Lemons, it goes without saying, knows how to shoot black people mm-hmm. the, the 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 gradual reveal of tyrese yeah from shadow was masterful yeah because at, at first he's just the voice it's just the voice and almost an outline mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. it is it is a beautiful moment mm-hmm. they they put on a play where there's this extended dream sequence yeah, where there's an image yeah. of Mary J. Blige with wings behind her, right? That reminds me of, frankly, my favorite image that Cassie Lemons has ever captured in uh, the film Caveman's Valentine, mm-hmm. where Samuel Jackson's character has hallucinations and he hallucinates black angels. And they're angels, but instead of the bird wings that angels are usually depicted as having, they have butterfly wings. And it reminded me of that. Much like you, I think it's a gorgeous film. It's a beautiful film. But besides Cassie Lemons, I think some of the distance <clears throat> that that I, I got from everyone's performance, whether we're talking about Angela Bassett, whether we're talking about Force Whitaker, Force um, Force Whitaker, Force Whitaker. Whether we're talking about Jennifer Hudson, you almost get 
the sense that they knew that they were adapting this Langston Hughes play Mm -hmm. and the importance of it. No one really wanted to sink their teeth into it. Like it's so po-faced. Yeah. It's so. Yeah. That's a good word. Lacking in energy there, mm-hmm. there's one moment like it's like the, like the woman and and you and i talked a, a quick moment before we started where i mentioned i was listening to the 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 jingle jangle soundtrack on the way over because there's a moment where forrest whitaker's character is praying mm-hmm. and it's a long prayer and it's 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 barely passive aggressive in the prayer but there's a hint of humor in it where he's praying too long on purpose mm-hmm. because he knows everyone wants to eat and angela bassett even has a second yeah where she's responding to it where it made me think of funny force whitaker mm. from jingle jangle which is which took me to jingle jangle but i needed more of that needed yeah like there's no humor there's no warmth yeah there's no energy just everyone is a very much this is a Langston Hughes play that we're dealing with. So therefore it's filled with this self-importance that it doesn't right. earn. That it doesn't earn and and is not really there because it's, it's, it's a pretty slight film. The film comes at, at an hour and a half. 20 minutes of that is singing yeah we'll touch on that 15 minutes of it is this extended dream sequence which so there isn't even really yeah a lot of plot and the and the dream sequence is cut intercut with the performance of like that's going on in the church yeah so it's you really are unsure, okay, which reality we're in. Right. And I and I I know see, I know that part of the discomfort about that is probably purposeful, uh, because it does cut back to you see Langston asleep in the pew. So, you know, that's kind of like your signal that he's he's dreaming some of these other things that are going on. But it still is comes off as a little bit of a mess and a hodgepodge. It doesn't yeah. really 100% stick together, nor do I think to me anyway, that whatever lessons we are meant to have seen him glean from this dream. I don't think they necessarily resonate at the end with this big climax, you know, the big set piece at the end where he, everything comes together. Right. Well, I I don't think you're meant to glean it because something like he's a little criminal. Like he's a criminal wannabe. He's a criminal, but he makes bad decision after bad bad decision. decision. True. You never get the sense that he's really learned anything. People just kind of look out for him, which, you know, that's true. Is, is nothing wrong with looking out for a kid. But if he is the central character, there's no real arc with him. You don't really get, get an arc. It's just people talking to him. The three wise men, the, as it were. Right, right. The wise men talk to him and, and 
you know, as I said about the great mystery, the, the it's barely a twist. Like everything that you that you think is going to happen, it, it happens. Happens. It happens. And then, like you said, it just sort of ends. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's a shame because I really wanted to like this movie. Dude, if you told me that Cassie Lemons was writing and directing a film with Force Whitaker, Angela Bassett, um, Jennifer Hudson, and Vondi Curtis Hall, I I would I would just throw my money at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bondi Curtis Hall, the shame of it is, is that he pretty much is wasted for one big scene. Right, right. He's in the one scene. Which I think the other, well, one of the other failing blocks of this film is Jacob Latimer at this time is a nice looking young man. Yeah. But he's not. He doesn't have a lot of chops. He's just not a lot of it's not a lot of there there. I didn't think he was any worse than anyone else. No, I don't think he's like, the worse he didn't than strike anyone. Me as the weakest link. No, 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 I don't think he's the weakest link. But I think that like the shame of it is, I was going to say is like Bondi Curtis Hall has got that one scene where it's supposed to be like he 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 catches he catches Langston in in the, trying to pull a fast one. Right. And he like checks them. And so there's supposed to be a like that's supposed to be a, a kind of like a dramatic moment. Right. Right. Like a big moment. And, and it falls flat. Yeah. Because Jacob Latimer, who's not asked to do anything more really in no. that scene, but just be present. Yeah. Because it's all body Curtis Hall, but he, he can't be present. Yeah. For that situation. And it, so therefore that scene falls flat. You know what? I kind of like Tyrese in this. There are there, I actually saw some reviews that <clears throat> actually think this is Tyrese's best performance. If I had written down a review, that's what I was about to say. This is the best I've ever seen Tyrese. I think he's good in it. I think he's a little he puts on the the little low voice a little bit too much for me, but I think he's good in it. Yeah, I I, I, I actually like for the first time in decades, I finally got the Tyrese thing with this. I didn't think he was bad. No, I didn't. Th- I didn't think. I didn't think he was bad. Yeah. Um, he, he's 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 not he's not that bad in, in in this. He's certainly not the worst person. He he acquits himself pretty pretty well. well. You know, again, you're using words like worse. I don't think anyone gives a bad performance in this because I don't think anyone is committed enough that it's bad. Okay. I think it's Fair just enough. sort of there. So they're just not giving their all. Because right. I don't think Jennifer Hudson is doing anything to, to write home. About. I mean, how many, how many long, uh, you know, she's singing half the time, which <laughs> is never a bad decision with Jennifer Hudson. But True, true. And you got a funny feeling that, that Cassie has Jennifer singing because like, yeah, she realizes yeah, these songs need a little bit more oomph. Right. Uh, Jennifer, can you just come in on this verse? Yeah. Like, I know you're not in this scene. We'll just cut it so that you're we cut back to you for for no reason. Uh, Which I have to say, I kind of in, in a lot of ways, it's it's neither fish nor fowl. Like it's not enough singing for it to be a proper musical, but there's also obviously not enough narrative for it to be a proper. Movie, mm. 
Like, I wish they, if, if, like, look, look, we got these people, they're going to sing. I wish they'd have gone full bore and just had a straight up musical. I think they, I, I wish they would have too, because or therefore, drop the music altogether and just go for the drama. Yeah, right. Yeah, I wish they would have too, because then maybe we would have had memorable music. Because I think the music, which was, I think, mostly produced and written by the newer songs by Raphael Sadiq. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, said it was his supervisor. They, they are not good. They are very, very boring. Um, I, I think the, the, the tracks are just basic. Yeah, and and the singing. While none of these people are bad singers, you could tell you could. T- they almost sound like fir- first first drafts of yeah. songs. There's nothing that memorable. Nothing at all. Yeah, nothing. And and it's a shame when you've got you've got you know Jennifer Hudson on one hand and Mary J. Blige in another. Yeah, and you can't give either of them at least one moment where they can just go right especially especially mary j who's walking around in this this <laughs> white crown of afro halo the whole whole movie like yeah. you're just waiting for her i know you're you're, you're waiting it's like uh, 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 i know she's gonna bring it i know and then you talk about in the dream sequence when she's up on like you know this um the the platform with right, with right. the wings and her and her hair yeah. look like the halo. He's like, all right, Mary, and here it comes, and it's just, yeah, what, what, yeah, it's just it's like just just a missed opportunity, um, and and then uh, oh my god, I you know I love her, but oh my god, they they make Angela sing. <laughs> So I was like, is Angela Bassett singing? Yeah, I think that was definitely one of the ones where she said, we're just going to write, we're just going to write Jennifer in on this scene. Because yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer starts singing over her. Yeah. And, and Angela is real low in the well, mix. Yeah. Real. She can't be magnificent at everything. No, she cannot. Yeah. No, she cannot. So, But the heresy, the heresy of Black Nativity. Okay. To end, yeah, with a rendition of yeah. Stevie Wonder's ass, yeah, that sounds like it was produced by Teddy Riley, yeah. That I, I'm sorry, Black Nativity, I cannot forgive. Yeah, <laughs> here's a bad thing. I turned it off. Oh, I turned the movie off when you heard that. Right, right. I I had to listen. Like I said, well, I guess the movie's over. I, there's no reason for me to do this. I felt like I had to. I had to watch it. It's funny though. If you had stayed, uh huh, because it cuts to like the whole choir and everybody singing right. as yeah. you know, um, and everybody's in the congregation, and like everybody's like smiling and stuff like that, and it. It, it's a quick cut. Okay. Jennifer Hudson is like singing, and Tyrese is standing next to her. He's he's just <laughs> maybe he was still in character. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. 
Me don't think so. Yeah. Me thinks he was waiting for cut. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame because it's a shame. This is certainly a piece of work that people have been wait, probably waiting to see I mean, up on yeah, the I mean, I don't know that I was. Right, but. right. I kind of wish, and by kind of, I 100% wish they weren't shackled to the source material. And they could have just made a Christmas movie. Yeah. Because I really do think, or rather I got the sense that the reverence for Langston Hughes and everything he obviously represents mm-hmm. kind of tripped people up. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because, you know, Cassie Lemons made Eve's Bayou. I know. I know. Years before this. I know. Cassie Lemons made Caveman's Valentine, which I'm a fan of, which somehow we still haven't done. We'll get around to it. Yeah. So, so I don't believe there's anything else to say about this film. Would you recommend it? I can't. Yeah. I can't recommend this film. This film, I cannot. I I just think it's a little bit too slow. It's just not doesn't work. Um, all of these people have done better work other places. There are other Christmas movies to recommend. Um, I can't even recommend it for the music. Right. So no, I I just can't. I I really think this is a film that you can miss. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And and. The 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 bad thing, regardless of how we've harped on on the shortcomings, is that I think it would be a more interesting film if it was a bad film. Mm. I think this is a film that is just very slight, very very surface level, and and again, I, I just got the sense not only from the 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 storytelling, but from the performances that uh, people were almost treating the source material with kid gloves or, 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 you know, no one really kind of dug into it. You you know, there's no energy there. There's, there's, there's nothing there to just sort of make it pop. Yeah. It just kind of goes through this narrative so unfortunately i also am saying you you should skip it sharon eldridge says that she got stuck on a really long phone call and had to watch the last 40 minutes or so of the film on mute and she is now very glad (laughs) (laughs) that's funny yeah so there you go there you go ladies and gentlemen that is our review of Black Nativity and that ties a bow on the Michelle mission for the year 2022. Mm. And I are going to take a couple of weeks to recharge our batteries. Yes, sir. We will return in 2023. And when we come back, we're going to be coming back with a doozy. Well, we don't know the films that we're going to be reviewing just yet, but we do know that on what was that date, Vincent? 
<laughs> oh, there you go. The Saturday, 17th. January 21st. Or 21st. <laughs> Saturday, January, January 21st. Saying, saying number. That's your same number. The 92nd. No. <laughs> Well, Saturday, January 21st, the Michelle Mission will be doing a live broadcast and film screening of The Outside Story at City Winery here in Philadelphia. Go to citywinery.com slash Philadelphia for uh, tickets, which are on sale now. And if you are having a good time with us and you want to see us, uh, still want to see us, why don't you tune in on this Thursday at 7 p.m. live when the Michaud Mission and Ariel Johnson and Charlene Griffith get together for Ripples in Time to review the second episode of the Kindred miniseries mm-hmm. that is streaming now on Hulu by way of FX. We will be streaming on Thursday, December 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Reviewing the second episode, Sabina from Kindred. So we look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we got to get out of here. We wish you all a safe and happy holiday season. Yes. Put yes. some sunshine on your face. I yes. got mine. Go get yours. And in parting, he's Vince. I'm Len. And we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. 